in the advocacy space, what can both this chamber and other chambers do differently to increase our effectiveness as a community? You know, I've been asked this question a lot. One of them is just visibility. I've been a student of this and been a part of this for the last 25 years, and I've really feel like we've had a vacuum of absence of really being out front and saying what we need to say. There's been too much of go along to get along. And there's, there's nothing wrong with disagreeing. And one thing I learned at City Hall years ago, I never will forget, no permanent friends and no permanent enemies, which means we're going to work together on many things with City Hall, with the county, with the state ledge. But when the occasion arises, when what is being advocated, proposed, or suggested is not good for economic development or the business community, or just in general, not good for our growth here in San Antonio and Bear County, we are going to take a stand and be vocal. On November 17, 2022, it was announced that Richard Pettis was stepping down as CEO of the San Antonio Chamber of Commerce. Then on November 7, 2023, 10 days shy of one year later, it was announced that Jeff Webster had been selected to be the CEO of the newly renamed Greater San Antonio Chamber of Commerce. There are two key people at the heart of this story, and they're with me in studio today. One is the newly named CEO himself, a man who's been a previous guest on this podcast. He's a business champion, advocate, and leader. He's a former San Antonio City Councilman and someone I call a friend. Jeff Webster, welcome. Thank you very much, Ed. I just can't thank you for inviting me back to get a chance to talk about this new opportunity. It was iffy there, but we did decide to have you back. (laughs) I don't blame Um, you. Also with us is the woman who has led the Greater Chamber Board of Directors through this process. She's a successful entrepreneur, is head of KGBT Texas Communications. She's active in the community, a strong civic leader, and someone I've known and worked with for 18 to 20 years. Katie Harvey, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we're glad to be here. So let's just go straight in. I think the first question that most people you know, might be asking, other than who the heck is Jeff Webster, is... This process took a year. So take me back. You know, some people are wondering why it took so long. And many national searches do not happen in three or four months. It is a lengthy process. But tell me about the process you went through. Sure. It definitely is a lengthy process. And and I'm grateful that we had a process to adhere to. Um, It actually was delayed longer than what we wanted because of the unsuccessful ability to merge the two chambers, the greater chamber and the north chamber. Um, Both of us had decided to put our CEO searches on hold uh, pending that um, that discussion, those discussions. So once it was determined that we were not going to be able to merge, that's when we went into you know full full mode of CEO search. So we were fortunate enough to be able to um, hire Jurgensen and Associates, and John Zachary headed up the search committee for uh, the organization. And it started with um, about 250 applications that came in. And from that, uh, narrowed it down, uh, the committee narrowed it down to, I believe, 11, and then it went to five, and then it was to three. And we interviewed in person those three uh, final candidates, and um, then we made that selection, and it was a unanimous decision of the search committee, and it was a unanimous um, acceptance of the, the executive board. And when you look at the original applicants that came in, what percentage of those were local versus out of town? You know, I don't know exactly, but we had some very, very strong candidates, both in state and out of state. And, um, you know, two of the finalists were actually out of state. 
you didn't really need this job. Um, you came from Jacobs Engineering, but previously you had served with uh, several other uh, firms. You served on the city council. So why did you want it? You know, it's, it's really funny. I, I, this happened, as you said, last November when Richard left. And it wasn't really until we were in SA to DC last year, and I was with Katie and the team, and we were watching what's going on. Two things hit me. Number one, how much I love doing those kind of things. And two, how much impact the chamber, the greater chamber can really make on things. This is not just a job to me. It's really a passion. And I hope when I visited with the committee, the passion and interest uh, was important to me. I have a great job with Jacobs Engineering. Didn't need to change. Love what I'm doing. But this, this resonates really with me down deep. I've been a part of this community, active in the politics and the business and the community for 30 years. So it's really a chance for me to continue to serve and give back. I realize how important the chamber, greater chamber's role is. And I'm kind of looking forward to working with Mario Barrera coming in and our executive board and the whole chamber membership because there's a lot of work to do. And I think the voice of the chamber has to be reestablished as a leader in this community. So I guess from a timing standpoint, it ended up working well because I guess your coming out party is at your December 14th gala beyond the announcement. I mean, your first real big public event with you as the new CEO. You're correct. But I got to tell you, the other night uh, when I was in front of the, the board and they they voted, um, it, it was pretty damn special. I had my family there. It impressed me that Joe Cryer took time to come and be a part of it. And that was pretty exciting for me. And I, I think you could hear it in my comments and in my voice of how much it mattered to me. And then it's going to be really exciting to listen to Katie kind of give her she promises very short speech. Uh, she wraps things up for twenty, for twenty three, and then and Mario begins to to lead into twenty four, and just you know together we're going to move things forward. And I'm really excited about it. it's going to be it's a great event. And we're going to come back to the chamber uh, merger and Mario in just a minute. But before we get to the merger, Katie, Greater Chamber, San Antonio Chamber, Greater Chamber again. What went through that process, and what was the reason for going back to the name Greater? I think that that process actually started in 2022. Um, the discussion started there. And when we went out to um, to the membership and talked about what was important to the membership and what role the, the chamber needed to play, there were some significant things that came back. One was that we needed to be a more a smaller, more nimble board. And um, we reacted to that. And then also, it was just stated, too, that everyone still called it the greater chamber. And as we looked at the organization and as we looked at the footprint that we wanted to, uh, you know, establish moving forward, it was just a very natural um, way to go back to what we originally were. So that was kind of the thinking behind it. You mentioned the change in your board of directors. Talk about that for a minute. And my follow-up question to the change is was that part of the issue that prevented the merger? Because I would imagine that type of thing, when you have two groups trying to come together, a lot of people are going to want to serve on a board or serve on the executive committee. And you got when you restructured, I'm assuming that was part of it. But tell me about the change. You went from what to what? So we went from a board of directors of about 100, between 120 and 130 members. And that board is now called the Board of Investors, and they meet quarterly. 
but now we have an executive board of 15 members. And those 15 members are made up from um, major investors, uh, large investors, and then general membership of the of the greater chamber. And it's a very diverse group. And the thought behind that was to have C-suite executives that could come together on a monthly basis and be able to make decisions very quickly. And moving away from a very strong chairman with a very large board of directors. It was cumbersome. It was cumbersome. And now it, it truly is an executive board unit that helps guide the chamber and helps weigh in on decisions and policies. And, and really, you know, our job as the executive board is to hold the CEO accountable to the strategic plan. That's what, you know, that's what we what we do. And it's different than back in the day where it was whatever the chairman's priority was, that's where the organization went. It's very difficult to keep an organization strategically moving forward if every year you're swinging in a different direction. I'm just curious because the timing of this uh, was very interesting because there's a community conversation that you and I have been a part of that um, we're no longer in the days of Red McCombs, Bartel Zachary, Tom Frost, General McDermott, that were the heart and core of the business community. Now we're much more decentralized. We have a lot of different businesses, and the relationship uh, to the city council is different because they're different and the business community is different. So I'm just curious, did any of that thought process go into getting this C-suite level to get more of the top tier of the companies here engaged. Yes, uh, that was a big big part of it, of being able to have strong voice um, and strong advocacy at the board board level. It, It absolutely was. And I have to credit, you know, the vision of Phil Green during his term with really making these um, hard decisions, getting a task force together and changing the and, and allowing for the chamber to move in this direction into a place of more significant advocacy and a stronger voice for the business community. So let's go to the, the conversations about the merger. Uh, obviously, it seems like it's still an option down the road, but there were things that may have prevented it from happening at that time. I think that it was a moment in time that was very unique in the fact that both organizations were without, you know, a permanent CEO. We now are not in that space anymore, and I think it would be much more difficult to do it. Um, it was an opportunity. There was a very strong appetite from the entire business community that these two organizations come together. You know, I have to say, you know, Danny Zimmerman and I worked very hard as well as our, you know, collective task force together. But at the end of the day, you know, it just wasn't the right thing for the North Chamber to to do. So, Jeff, I'm looking at a list of the last 20 years of a greater chamber board chairs. And I'm singling out a 2005 when John T. Monford was board chair. That's the first time I remember somebody truly high profile saying, you know, at the time he was with AT&T that, you know, why are we writing 347 checks to 347 chambers? And perhaps we should look at some sort of consolidation. 
And it's taken a while to get here, but I understand the goal from a corporate standpoint. It may not necessarily work on the the chamber side because different, I mean, if you look at the North Chamber, they were sort of started uh, that I recall uh, to focus on the medical center. You know, I've been a part of the conversations, and this really parallels maybe even to the uh, school district conversation. Right. Why do we have so many school districts? You know, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, there's some history there. I call it uh, La Familia is, is, is part of this. But here's the answer, and I really mean this sincerely. I'm here to collaborate with every organization that is focused on moving the business community forward. Pick a title of one of their 15 chambers here in town. We're going to be out there in front. We're going to be helping lead the way on moving this community forward, moving our business community forward, being an advocate for what the, for the right things to do for this city and this county. And I hope every, all of us are united moving the same direction. We're going to offer that. We're going to offer to be good teammates, good partners. Uh, but in the end, we're going, to, we're going to be out there in front leading, helping lead the way on these things. And I hope to partner with each of those chambers, uh, no matter the title they have. One of the things that people have said about the school districts is shy of consolidating. Why can't they all come together and create one purchasing procurement department for all the school districts that doesn't involve merging the boards, but it maybe will allow them to see some savings? So my question is, are there things the chambers can do either in the advocacy space or in a think tank space or an economic impact space where the chambers could come together and work a united way without necessarily merging? Yeah, well, I, th- I think that already that already happens. There, there's some community business organization meetings that we all sit on that that committee, and we talk about things, advocate as a group, and support and move forward. Number two is you know merging is never easy. I go back to city council in the late '90s and even before me. Heck, we can't get the city and county to cooperate and merge to do things. We can't get schools to merge and cooperate and do things. Everybody sticks to their. Uh, they've got a niche. And there's nothing wrong with that With that niche. It affects efficiencies. Now, should we be lined up on our SA to D.C. trip that we're all on board of what's good for our community? Absolutely. For our military community? Absolutely. Leadership San Antonio. For, for uh, you know, workforce development. There's some core things that every one of these organizations, we ought to be lined up, we ought to be advocating for, and again, put whatever title you want on an organization, but... All I can say is I can promise we're going to be out front of those issues. We hope we have teammates and partners there with us. And I think the the spirit of collaboration, you know, between um, J.R. Trevino and Danny Zimmerman and myself, I mean, we've worked really hard to work together and to represent the entire voice of the business community, not just our membership. And that's been something that I think we're philosophically aligned on as leaders within those organizations, that we represent the greater good of the business community and not just the membership. And it's, um, I think it's, it's working and, you know, we're, we've, we've all discussed that, you know, the, the new CEOs of the organizations that they carry that forward. And, just for those people who may not be familiar with some of these names, Danny Zimmerman is the current chairman of the North Chamber. J.R. Trevino was the board chair for the Hispanic Chamber and has now stepped in as the interim CEO for the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber. So I want to talk about, just for a minute, Katie, uh, Greater SATX, what was formerly known as the San Antonio Economic Development Foundation. Greater SATX is a powerhouse when it comes to recruitment. Their job is to help companies come here. 
chambers play a very important role in helping to improve and enhance the business climate and environment in a community. What role can the greater chamber play? What role has have they played with greater SATX? Because greater SATX can't really do the lobbying and the advocacy that you guys do. So tell me about the relationship there. The relationship there is, you know, our one of our priorities as a chamber is to ensure the success of greater SATX. And when it comes to economic development efforts, a good example is the work that they were doing at the state legislature um, and how important HB5 was. And our public policy chair at the time, Jeff Webster here, was aligned very closely with Greater SATX to make sure that we were up there and we were testifying and we were advocating on behalf of the Greater SATX to ensure that we supported this effort as best that we possibly could and, and really leaned into that. And you're right. You know, it's it's Greater's uh, responsibility and, and their mission, their charge to bring these employers to San Antonio. And it is the chamber's jobs, too, to ensure from a business retention and expansion standpoint that we are providing advocacy and an environment for these businesses to thrive, to grow, and to stay here in our region. Jeff, I'm assuming that while you were up there in Austin, you were working uh, on the replacement for Section 313, which allows for cities, counties to offer economic development uh, incentive packages and for the replacement that ended up passing. Absolutely. It was a priority. Uh, as, as Katie said, we had a public policy uh, committee that went through and developed different targets and things we expected and wanted out of the, the state legislature. There were a lot of things that didn't come out of the state ledge. It was, you know, it was a mess, but HB5 was important. And we had testimony from members and other people in the business community and it is vitally important for the growth and the sustainability of this community to have those kind of abilities to invest and offer incentives to, to grow our community. I want to get on, add on to what Katie said about what the Chamber's role is, because I said this when I met with the executive board. Our goal is to make sure we're not doing silly things that impact the ability of that sales effort of greater SATX to go out there and recruit these firms. we got to make sure policies and procedures that are being developed by our council and by our Bear County Commissioner's Court, don't impede growth. So what I look at us is we got to be out there protecting that workforce development, making sure that there's not silly ordinances and regulations and uh, expenses, uh, being creating a burdensome opportunity where our friends at Greater SATX can't go out and recruit, where people throw up, well, you've got this problem, you've got this problem. We're kind of the offensive line out clearing the, clearing the road for them and turning them loose as running backs to go score the touchdowns. And I'm very comfortable with that role. Uh, Jenna and her team are outstanding. We're going to make sure that she didn't come back and say, well, we've got this problem and this problem and this problem. We're going to clear the road to help them out. And we're going to focus on retaining what we have. Well, you're going to end up back on this podcast um, a lot in the future because this whole podcast was about the intersection of business, public policy, and politics. And how can we find ways for government to help and not hurt or not impede uh, growth? Because we're all built on foundations of growth. I'll look forward to it. Uh, before this, I was going to say two's my limit, but we'll, I'll be glad to come back. <laughs> and but I, but I mean that sincerely. I think that's a major role of the chamber is to be that road grader and make sure there aren't impediments to economic development, growth, and protecting the small businesses that are here in town that the city and the county don't become a burden on them. 
from utility rates, through regulation, through a variety of things. Uh, we're going to be out there in the front of this thing to make sure we're, we're clearing a path. You're in a difficult situation right now when it comes to transition because you're doing two jobs at the same time, even though you're not even on the payroll yet at the chamber. I'm sure you're already getting bombarded with uh, questions and, hey, look at this and, hey, get back to me on this. And, well, what's your position on this issue over here? But you're also trying to wrap up, you know, things over at Jacobs. Tell me what's on your priority list for the chamber. Well, uh, I got to tell you, it's a long list, uh, but I got to tell you, the first thing is I do have to wrap up my responsibilities at Jacobs. Uh, They've been an awesome company and have been very supportive and excited about my role moving over to the chamber. Followed by, you're absolutely correct. I have become very popular on uh, LinkedIn and other places with people wanting to connect with ideas (laughs) and meetings already. Uh, But I got to tell you, there's a great staff over there at the chamber right now. I, I, I'd be really remiss if I didn't Do think— Do you mean at the greater chamber? The greater chamber. Okay. I'd be really remiss if I didn't think Dave Peterson, the job that that team is doing already and continues to do. And so that'll make the, things a little easier. But we're going to start with, you know, what's happening at City Hall, whether it's economic development, utilities, regulation. There's some things coming up. There's some big things out there that everybody wants to talk about from, you know, Spurs Arena to baseball to uh, the elections coming up. One of the things that everybody forgets about is our elections for city council and the state leds are often 25. Well, you don't wait till 2025 to start. We've got to start those things really now and preparing for charter amendments, council elections, state ledge. And, you know, it, there's, there's a plateful. When I, when I met with the executive board, I think I had a list of 25 items that I presented that are immediately on my plate because I think the role of the chamber, and I use this phrase, and I hope I, people understand what I'm saying, the chamber's role is to be able to look over the horizon and see what's coming and prevent it, support it, not just simply chase it down and react to it. We've got to be on the forefront of those things. And I think we're going to be able to do that. There's some there's some great team there, and we're going to pull in a lot of partners. Katie wraps up her term. She thinks she's going to go off into the quiet and peace, and that, that's not going to happen. Uh, but we've got a lot, lot of things to tackle. Uh, Katie, um you, you and I had the chance to work together on on Proposition A to ensure its its defeat, and you you actually got the ball rolling on that before I stepped in um, to chair the effort. But I'd, I'd let you in. Uh, <laughs> you did. Um, Open the door. And, and yeah, you you paved the way. So it, it, I mean, it was a it was prior to the pack getting formed and started. It was the greater chamber um, that took the lead in this effort. And so talk to me about where do you see the greater chamber moving forward in relation to political activity like that or like Austin or Washington? Uh, uh, Do you see the organization just doing what they've been doing or is there room for improvement or new ideas that may be put into place? I think there's always room for new ideas because, you know, our our business community has changed. Even going back to what you said, you know, we are no longer in the days where you've got a Red McCombs, you know, Frost, et cetera, to be able to, you know, put their foot down and say, this is this is what we're doing. Communications has changed. Um, the channels that we use to communicate have changed. So therefore, our business community is um, more fragmented, and we have to be very strategic and have new tactics as far as how we move initiatives forward. Um, I think a good example is the business community coming together, looking at the city manager pay 
and looking at the ability for us to retain talent there for longer periods of time and not put a time limit on it. There are issues, and I think Jeff's spot on, of saying we need to be looking over the horizon. And I think we as business organizations um, are continuing to look over the horizon and look at things like that and say, we need to take a proactive position on this. We need to go out, see what the public's appetite for something like this is, and help it be successful. So I want to play for you a soundbite from John Dixon that I recorded in a previous episode, but I didn't actually use it in that in that episode because I wanted to save it for for an episode like this one. <laughs> but I want to play this and then uh, get your reaction to it. The relevancy of all chambers is in question right now, uh, post-pandemic. I would say event marketing in general, like trade shows, conferences, mixers, happy hours, all of event marketing is 50 or 60% of what it was four years ago. And uh, in- increasingly, when you have companies that are competing in a non geographic way, I wonder about relevancy. And what I mean by that is most of my clients were not here. If you're a banker or if you're a lawyer or if you're a services company, like, yeah, Chambers of Commerce will always be spectacular because this is your market. But increasingly, a lot of the companies in San Antonio are competing outside of our region. So I I think that is one, you know, that the Chambers need to go back and sharpen their value proposition specifically so I want to kind of unpack what he said there, because there's a, there's a lot of, of points to that that I think are very important. N- number one, um, you know, even when I'm thinking about some of the folks that are on my executive board that represent businesses that significantly most of their work is outside of our community, they want to be part of that board because they understand that the insurance of a healthy community of San Antonio and the San Antonio region is important, is important to their employee base that's here, even though they don't do business here in San Antonio, their headquarters are here, and this is where the heart of their company is. So it's almost, it's it's an all ships rise mentality, right? Okay. As far as driving value, that is the most important thing that a chamber can do, and it's driving value to small business all the way up to the advocacy work that we've been talking about. Because a small business that joins the chamber typically isn't even aware of advocacy work that could be done, really being done on their behalf on the state and on the federal and on the local level. They just want to meet people. They want to be able to exchange business cards, et cetera. We have to provide value on that side as well. Um, Value for chambers post-pandemic. Did the pandemic impact numbers? Absolutely. But one of the things that I am very interested in with the Greater Chamber and how they've responded is they really changed their model as far as not going into this cycle that a lot of chambers do of just trying to get people in the door and they're there for a couple of years They and then they cycle out. The retention numbers that the Greater Chamber has over the last 24 months are very significant. And those are the numbers that, as a chairman, I look at. It's not the numbers that are coming in. It's who's staying are we de- deriving, you know, are we delivering that value to them? And if they're staying, then I know that we're on, you know, on the right track. And you have to constantly be looking at, and, and this is one of the things that we asked the CEO candidates when they came uh, in and, and met with us is what type of revenue diversification can you bring to the table for a chamber? 
so that it is not so reliant on membership dues and on special events. And really looking at how do we change the value proposition and how do we evolve the value proposition to ensure that the John Dixons of the world see the value in being part of an organization like that. And I do think it's on the right track, but we, we can't continue to do things as we did back in the day because business needs are different. And I think that was the, at the heart of his point. So, Jeff, how did you answer that question about revenue generation? Well, I'll, I'm going to come back to that, but I want to say what I, I appreciate John's comment, and he's a good friend of mine. One of the very first calls I've got when this went public was my friend John Dixon saying, I want back in. How can I help? I like who, who the chamber, uh, the greater chamber has selected. That signifies we're heading back to a direction we need to go. So that, I'm going to say that means a lot to me. I've known John for a long time, and, and I understand the frustration, the disengagement, and things. But when you get somebody that's standing on the outside, that was formerly inside, that says, now I want back in, to me that's a good indicator. And, and I'll stand by that. And I, I'm, I've told John he'll regret making that call because I will pull him in and he will put him to work and it'll all be, it'll all be good. So one of the things I brought to the chamber when I having this discussion was, we don't want to be an event management company. We're not a travel agency. That's not it. The extra value we can bring to these investors and to these members is educational, business development, teaching people how to do things, teaching our small business, because I deal this with Jacobs all the time, trying to find qualified small minority businesses that we can partner with, with state, local, and federal, because everybody has requirements. It's complicated and we can have an active role in training these people, creating programs to success. There's a bunch of little programs out there, but I think the chamber can take, and I will take uh, the greater chamber, we will have an active role in pushing to help our small businesses in this community be more successful with state, local, and federal things. Number two was, I think we've got one of the things we can educate people on, and it can bring value to the greater chamber and to our community is, now, Katie's brought it up, and with her business, she understands this much better than I do, is whether you like it or not, those of our generation do not really grasp social media and how it transforms things. And we've got to be better as a chamber, as a business, as an educational arm, as a training arm, in teaching people how to effectively utilize uh, social media. In the advocacy space, what can both this chamber and other chambers do differently uh, to increase our effectiveness as a well, community? You know, I've been asked this question a lot, and i got to say it's really two things, and it may sound silly, but one of them is just visibility. I, and I'm not picking on the greater chamber, I'm not picking on any chamber, but I've been a student of this and been a part of this for the last, you know, 25 years, and I really feel like we've had a vacuum of absence of really being out front and saying what we need to say. We've, there's been too much of go along to get along. And, I, and there's, there's nothing wrong with disagreeing. And one thing I learned at City Hall years ago, I never will forget, no permanent friends and no permanent enemies, which means we're going to work together on many things with City Hall, with the county, with the state ledge. But when the occasion arises, when what is being advocated, proposed, or suggested is not good for economic development or the business community or just in general, not good for our growth here in San Antonio and Bear County, we are going to take a stand and be vocal to say, not good. And not just complain and say, not good. We have to come in with suggestions and alternates that work. 
I learned at City Hall too oftentimes people would yell at us and say, that's dumb, don't do that, da, da, da. But there was never suggestions of, but do this. So I think you've got to be able to say, that's a bad idea, but we should do this. We worked recently, Katie and myself and others and Dave Peterson, on the CPS on some revenue share. There were some suggestions on what to do. We offered up an alternative of what could be done. That's how we want to operate. Be in the conversation, find the right solutions, bring alternative solutions if necessary. So being visible, that has to translate over to the members of the chamber of bringing value. Okay, so you've got to do that. And it goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. A little bit is the social media. They've got to know that you're out there doing the things in their interest. I can't ask you as a business owner to be a part and invest with us if you're always guessing what the heck are we doing. So we've got to redefine the new messaging into social media. We've got to be visible. But there's always an element of the chamber, and I've always loved this tagline the chamber had for the greater chamber had for years. We do things that other people think just happened. And there's a whole lot of truth to that. We're not always looking for credit or name. We're looking to make it better. Those that need to know will know that we were involved, but we are going to do things that a lot of people think just happened, but we'll make sure we're, we're out in the forefront for the business community. The chamber has been um, in their current location for years. There used to be an office on the north side um, in that HEB credit union building at 410 and Blanco. Where, what are your plans moving forward for office space? So regarding the north side, we just signed a lease with SWBC. So our north side office will be located there in the SW in the bottom floor of the SWBC tower. So it's a great central, you know, centrally located really north. Really close lo- to where it, the old one was. Right, yeah. right. But, um, you know, and SWBC has been a great uh, partner and member of the chamber for many, many years. So we're excited about that. Any plans regarding the downtown space? There has been discussion about the downtown space. We definitely recognize that it is a prime location, um, especially with all the development that's going on um, down there in that area. And it's something that we as leadership at the chamber have talked about, about different opportunities and different options moving forward. Jeff, you were chair of the San. You're, you're still chair of the San Antonio Mobility Coalition. Samco had asked me if I would serve in 24 again as the uh, chairman of Samco, and I communicated back to Vic and the team that I really needed to be focused on the on the Greater Chamber. I'll serve on the board as the as the former chairman, but uh, we're going, we're getting ready to have our vote on who we'll move forward with as a leader in 24. I'm always there to help, but my focus has to be on my new job with the Greater Chamber, and I'm more than glad to to do that and then offer some advice to Samco, given my background in working in infrastructure many years. How do you see uh, prioritizing your time in non-session years and session years? Um, I, I'm assuming a, a heavy focus in non-session years as council, the more the more local and, and with more recently, we've had more things that seem to have impacted the business community, which require more time, energy, effort. We now have two political entities the San Antonio Equity Alliance and Better SA that are PACs and 501c4s. Do you see the chamber going down that path to also play a role at some point? Well, I'm going to go back to your, your initial part of your question is you talked about what's happening in a, in a ledge year, non-session, a session year versus non-session year. In my mind, every year is a session year. 
because you've got a prep year and you've got a delivery year. And it's just when you turn away and you think, well, the session's off in 25, and you think, I'm going to go over and deal with all these issues, uh, you've missed the boat on the preparation that's occurring. In the 20, interim study In the interim studies and the committees and the campaigns and elections. There's some interesting attacks on different candidate office holders now. Who should be going back? What's going to be our role in making sure we let uh, people communicate and understand what those candidates are? So I always, in my mind, it's a dual track 24-7 of local, well, three track, local, state, and federal. There is no, se- to me, for my role, there is no session. There is no off year. It's, you got to be focusing because they rotate. And 25 is going to be a handful because you're going to have city elections and the ledge. And again, you don't wait till May of 25 for the city elections to manage that. And you don't wait till January of 25 to deal with the, with the state ledge. So it's going to be fun. I mean, this is in the, the wheelhouse of stuff I love. And I hope that's why the executive committee and the search committee decided I was prepared to help lead the way on that. It's going to be a, uh, <laughs> I couldn't ask for a faster way to start the gala here in a few, few weeks, SA to DC. Heaven forbid there's not a few things brewing up in D.C. we got to be in the middle of. So uh, it's going to be fun, Eddie. Uh, I hope to be back here really sharing some of these things as we move forward with new programs, initiatives. Uh, we are going to be looking over the horizon and making things happen. So it's going to be fun. Well, we look forward to it. Katie, I'll, I'll, I'll let you end with this. You're about to roll off uh, the board um, what are you most proud of? Um, what are you handing off to your successor, Mario Barrera, as the 2024 chair? It's been a lot this year. Um, a lot of unanticipated issues that we needed to tackle, whether it was, you know, Proposition A that we've talked about, whether it was the opportunity to merge the chambers, a CEO search, um, Issues at the state legislature, CCRs popping up, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been a lot, but it's been very meaningful work. You know, I've really enjoyed, I've enjoyed the relationships, especially with the executive board of, of working so closely with them that we have developed. But one of the things that I'm going to stay on board, and, and this uh, kind of follows up on what Jeff was saying about it never being an off year, one of the things that was a big priority um, of mine was, you know, continuing the the movement towards a super region of San Antonio and Austin and, and, and building that out and, you know, looked at the project of a SH-130 connector in New Braunfels. Um, and to give more clarity on that, there was an opportunity to connect the, the toll road of the SH-130 to I-35 in New Braunfels. And it got through the House. Unfortunately, it did, did not pass the Senate. But it's still something that, you know, I believe and I, I know that there's great appetite for it all along the I-35 corridor, that we need this connector and others to help assist with the huge congestion problem that we have of moving people and goods along the I-35 corridor. So that's going to be something that I continue to work on because I just think it's what's right for our entire region. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for serving. It it has been a, a challenging year, obviously adding to the normal craziness and the normal uh, heavy projects that you have to tackle. You had a CEO search that you had to wrap up, uh, see through all the way to the end. So glad you were able to to be able to tackle that. And just one last chance. Um, are you sure you made the right decision? This is, <laughs> th- this is your opportunity to... 
Yeah, remember, I don't start to December 1st. So we've got a few days. Well, I tell you, I, I do seriously want to say, though, that, you know, Dave Peterson did an amazing job this year, and we were in lockstep, and he's an amazing individual, and um, I just kept continuing to drive this organization forward and to execute, execute, execute. So He was number two under Richard Pettis and stepped in to be interim right. CEO during the search process. That's right. And we'll continue on, you know, to work alongside Jeff. I think they're going to be an amazing team together, um, especially his military, you know, his military affairs, knowledge, relationships, expertise just are, you know, beyond reproach. So um, I think they'll make a great team together. And just an all-around nice guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. Katie Harvey, Jeff Webster, thank you for coming on today. And we look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Eddie. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks. Beyond the Bite is a production of Aldrete Strategic Partners and is edited by Nick Chamberlain of Every Word Media. That does it for this episode. As always, we thank you for listening.